Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Today, we are talking about the very first short-term mission trip in Scripture. Um, And we're talking about how we need to become people that our own mission that we think about how God wants to use us. Um, It's a familiar theme that we've been talking through the whole book of Acts is how God just uses ordinary Christians, just ordinary people. And in this case, he's using Philip. Uh, We met Philip last week in the message that he was just an ordinary guy. He was not an apostle. Uh, He was not a church leader. And yet God chose to use him to bring the gospel to the first foreign individual in the book of Acts. He didn't choose an apostle. You you would think he would have brought in one of the big guns, so to speak. But that's not what God does. He uses just ordinary people. And and we're going to see how the Spirit of God uh, had been preparing Philip, but also the individual that he was going to share the gospel with. And... um, Maybe you have heard about international missions and you um, just have never considered it for yourself. In fact, international missions is something that actually can happen right here in town, Um, taking the gospel to someone who's from another country. Uh, You know, growing up, I I used to always see the uh, missionaries as they would come and visit the church and and um, I always saw the missionaries as like God's special forces. And you had to be very unique and very special. And, and you had more of the Holy Spirit. And you had more spiritual gifts. And you could do, you know, walk on water kind of person. And, but that's not what the scripture teaches. Uh, and I had to change my mindset based on scripture. Now, listen to what Jesus said in Matthew four nineteen. Jesus called them out and he said, come follow me. So he's inviting them to be a follower of Jesus. And I'll show you how to be, how to fish for people. That's interesting. Here's what's really interesting about that. The call to salvation and the commission into service For the great commission happened at the same moment. And that's fascinating to me. It happened at the very same moment. There's no gap in between the call. It's kind of like, well, you pray to receive Christ. Well, let's wait a couple of years and then we'll do something with you. Uh, That wasn't it at all. In fact, the word missionary is not even in the Bible. We made that word up. What the Bible says, he calls them sent ones, those who have been sent. And that's what we do today. We send people out. And that appears frequently in scripture. And actually, it applies to every single believer. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, it applies to them, sent ones. So here's the point. 
Involvement in missions is not something that you do later. I'll wait till I retire. I'll wait till I have more time. I'll wait till I have more resources. Let me get this stuff done first. No, it's something you don't graduate into. It's something that's a part of your original call. That's something you do immediately. That you are available to be used by God as he sees fit. So let's get into our verse, verse 26 of Acts chapter 8. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him. Now, that's pretty cool. Angel talking to you. Would that get your attention? Oh, before you get all thinking about that, you actually have something better than an angel. You have God's Holy Spirit living in you. And God's Spirit talks to you. God himself, not an angel. I mean, when you get to talk to the head honcho, isn't that a little better than one of his ambassadors? I mean, this is pretty cool. So, He was sent, and here's what the angel said. Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Well, let's paint that picture. This is kind of like a deserted place. Uh, Gaza was actually a, a little nasty town. It's just, you know, and what made it worse were that that was like where the Philistines lived or some of them. And I, you know, when I say little town, I remember, you know, when I lived in North Carolina, uh, there was no easy way to get to Myrtle beach, you know, and, and, and you didn't go on vacation unless you went to Myrtle beach. Right. And, uh, cause you had to go down to South Carolina to buy fireworks to have up in North Carolina cause it was illegal in North Carolina. And, uh, that's what we did, you know, as teenagers, we'd go to South Carolina to buy our fireworks. And uh, so anyway, going from North Carolina down to Myrtle Beach, you go through a lot of little towns that have one stoplight, maybe a Hardee's, and now they all have, you know, like, you, you know, a Chinese restaurant, a Mexican restaurant, you know, every place I've ever been has those restaurants and, and, and they're always full because people love that. And, but the other thing that you didn't like about those little towns you had to drive through to go to the Myrtle Beach was they had these small, very little bitty, itty bitty signs that said speed limit 25 miles an hour, (laughs) right? And there were like nine police cars lined up behind that speed limit sign. And you never got a warning ticket, never. And so that's, you know, you think about those little towns, that's what you think about. So when the angel told him to go down to Gaza, he's sitting there going, oh my goodness, I'm being sent there. And um, this is way out of his comfort zone. I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb, he's thinking. So he makes this trek 165 miles walking. Hot, dusty, no hotels to stop and take a rest. So it's way out of his comfort zone. He's going into territory, the Philistines. In fact, 
I've heard people complain sometimes about going on a mission trip. I don't know. I'm going to have to get on that plane and fly for 10 hours to go overseas. And I, you know, there's a three hour layover in Munich. And I just, I don't know. I tell you what, when you die and go to heaven, Philip's going to come up to you and say, just shut up. <laughs> I walked 165 miles in the desert <laughs> and you're complaining about sitting in an air conditioned airplane with movies. And, and, and so he is sent there with a very specific purpose, purpose in verse 27. So he started out, and I appreciate that. He, he just started. He started out. He didn't, he wasn't told what was going to happen. He, he was just told to go. He had very little information. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia a eunuch of great authority over, uh, over the Kandak, the queen of Ethiopia. So he wasn't told this ahead of time. He just was told to go. And when he got there, he ran into this treasurer of Ethiopian. And so and now today, Ethiopia, and I have two grandsons from Ethiopia. Uh, it, it is a small country. But back then in biblical times, Ethiopia was basically everything in Africa south of the Nile. It was a massive kingdom. It was a huge area. And so this guy is the treasurer of the entire area. And so he is one powerful dude. I mean, he had, he had a lot of authority. And the queen obviously had to trust him above anybody else. So the eunuch, the Bible says, the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. That's interesting. And he was now returning from Jerusalem back to Ethiopia. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now, so he came to, to Jerusalem, Norse. Why, why would he do that? You see, uh, for whatever reason, he, he was obviously curious about the God of the Jews. You know, there were lots of religions in Ethiopia. They worshiped the sun, they worshiped animals, but there was something happening in his heart that he said, you know, there's gotta be something bigger than this. There's gotta be something that's behind all of this. And he had heard the stories about the God of Egypt, uh, of Israel. I mean, he, those stories get around and he had heard all that. And so he traveled 1200 miles to go and see for himself. Now this guy was royalty. So when he traveled, there was a, a big load that went with him. And, and when you, you know, when you hear the word chariot, you know, you get the idea of the 10 commandment movie and you see the Egyptians in their chariots. That's not this at all. This is a huge carriage and it, there would be eight men that would carry this thing. And inside this carriage, he's protected from the sun. Uh, he's got pillows. It's comfortable and, and he's got everything he needs. And then there's a whole band of people following him to protect him. He would have his own bodyguards. He would have all the supplies that he would need. I mean, 1,200 mile journey, that's a long trek. And he went there because he wanted to know about God. 
And so the Holy Spirit in verse 29, the Holy Spirit always gives you the information you need at the time you need it. Remember that. A lot of times he only gives you enough information to take the first step. He's not obligated to tell you where the journey is going to lead to. So Philip went out of obedience just to go. And whenever he needed to be told something, the Holy Spirit would tell him at just the right time. Now that's being a person of faith. Acting upon the information God gives you. Not waiting till all your answers or questions are answered. That's not the way God works. And, and, and so this guy had traveled 1,200 miles. And the Holy Spirit says to Philip, go over and walk alongside the carriage. Now, I would imagine immediately the guards would get alerted. And they say, all right, who's this guy coming over? And, you know, that he was probably being, you know, spotted. So my question, first of all, is how did the Holy Spirit say this to, to Philip? It, well, it doesn't really tell us. But one of the things that you find in the book of Acts is that the Holy Spirit speaks to people on a regular basis. The Holy Spirit's actually mentioned 59 times in the book of Acts, and 40 of those times, he's telling people, he's speaking to them. So my question is, are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Because here's the deal. The moment you pray to receive Christ, God's Holy Spirit took residence in you. He lives in you. So my question is, do you listen to him? I mean, sometimes he speaks to you through scripture. Sometimes he speaks to you through a small, still voice. Sometimes he might speak to you through another believer. But when that happens, you've always got to test the spirit. But he wants, I mean, he's living in you. He wants to talk to you. I think so often we don't like what we've been asked to do or we're afraid of what we've been asked to do or we're nervous about what we've been asked to do. So we kind of tune it out. It's kind of like the spouse who says to the other spouse, you never listen to me. And the spouse says, uh, what? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's kind of like you, if you've got a spouse that's always griping and complaining and telling you what's wrong with you, you kind of tune it out and you stop listening. I, I'm afraid we do that sometimes spiritually. You just stop listening to the Holy Spirit. How dangerous is that? Uh, here's why it's dangerous. It's dangerous because of what you're missing out on. What you're missing out on. This guy, Philip, is getting ready to have the opportunity to share the gospel with the treasurer of the largest country of Africa, whom God's spirit had been preparing. And in fact, the Bible says nobody comes to the Father except the Holy Spirit draws them. So the Holy Spirit's working on the eunuch, the Ethiopian, and he's working through Philip to bring these two guys together. 
I wonder, I wonder how many times you've sat there at work or at school or wherever, and you heard a small voice that says, you see that person over there? Just, just go talk to them. Oh, I don't know them. I'm just telling, I'm just telling you, go talk to them. And when you say no to that, you have no idea what God's been doing in that person's heart for you to go sit and talk to them, that they're ready for a conversation or ready for a friend. Uh, let me tell you something. Philip could have said no to the Holy Spirit all the way back in Jerusalem. He could have said, I'm not up, open to this. I'm not your guy. Well, I so believe in the will of God that God's will is always going to be done. If Philip had said no, we would be reading somebody else's name here. Because God would have sent somebody else and Philip would have missed that glorious opportunity. And, and so sometimes it seems that God puts a divine yearning into our hearts. And we've got to pay attention to that. When, when God just speaks to you and say, just, just go over there. Just, just go and speak. You have no idea what God's done in preparation for that opportunity. So are you aware of the Holy Spirit speaking? If you're not, you ought to be alarmed by that because he's there. He lives in you. He's, if you're a believer, you ought to be hearing him speaking to you. But have you tuned your ears to hear him? Maybe you have filled your ears with so much white noise that you've tuned him out. And the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. There are times when you just got to shut up, be quiet, sit still and listen. And listen. You, you know what normal Christianity is? Normal Christianity is that you recognize the Holy Spirit when he's speaking to you. And he's speaking to you on a regular basis. And you are obedient to that voice. Verse 30, Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip knew that because he studied the Bible. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I understand unless somebody instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. Now, I'm sure Philip said, no, I'd rather be in the hot dirt dust and keep walking. You know, my, no, he said, oh yeah, I'll come sit with you. You got something to drink up there? I mean, this will be great. So he jumped up there and he's sitting with him. And so in the, in the midst of going on, what's going on in Samaria, uh, all the people that were getting saved in the midst of what's going on in Jerusalem, all the people that are getting saved. God calls Philip to walk 165 miles to a nasty little town in, called Gaza because he had been preparing one person. One person. I, I wonder 
Would it be okay with you if God sent you to a job or to a particular school or to a particular trip just for the purpose of one person? Would that be okay with you? I would hope so. I mean, for this Ethiopian, it changed his eternal destiny because Philip was willing to leave the excitement of what God was doing to go talk, walk 165 miles by himself to talk to this one guy, which changed everything. You know, what's happening to you may not be about you. Hear that one again. What is happening to you may not be about you. Because what is happening to you is so that God can use you for the benefit of someone else that he has been preparing. I, I remember one time I was flying back from a mission trip. And I was tired and usually on those flights, I just take something to help me to sleep and I'll sleep on that, I think it was about a 10, 12 hour flight. And um, so they'd already done the food service and I was ready to kick back and actually had my Bible sitting there. And the guy sitting next to me said, "Uh, is that a Bible? And I said, yeah. He said, what do you think about Revelation? I said, well, what's your question? He said, well, I've got a question about this. And so I started doing a study with him in the book of Revelation. A few minutes later, a flight attendant came up the aisle and said, are you having a Bible study? And I said, well, yeah, we are. Hang on a second. What are you studying? I said, well, we're studying the book of Revelation. Hang on. She, she went and got a couple other flight attendants and they came, sat on the floor I had an aisle seat, sat on the floor, so three flight attendants and this guy next to me, and, and we're just having a Bible study in the book of Revelation. Wow. And the people sitting across from me were probably going, I bet he's going to get extra peanuts. And uh, I mean, it was just great. We were talking about the coming of the Lord, and we were talking about what God was doing and, and, and how to get ready for that. And it was great. But my agenda was to sleep. (laughs) But God had other plans. Because it wasn't about me. Now, I've never seen those people again, but I don't know what, what happened because of that. So he's reading, and in verse 32 it says, The passage of scripture he'd been reading said this, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? Now, this is a quotation from Isaiah 53, and and it was written 800 years before the birth of Jesus. 800 years. So this is prophecy about Jesus. 800 years. And Isaiah was prophesying about the Messiah and that he would be led like a lamb to the slaughter and he would be wrongly uh, wrongly accused of his crimes that he did not commit. And all this came true to the letter. 
Because Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate and he was accused of heinous crimes and, and, and he hadn't done them, but he sat there silent. You know, when somebody sits silent and doesn't defend themselves, you know, a lot of times we just assume they're guilty. And Jesus was conceding guilt, but not his guilt, your guilt and my guilt. He was conceding our guilt. That's why he came. And he stood there silently. Now, don't think, I mean, think of all the things he could have done. He could, he could have performed a miracle. He could have done something that would have gotten everybody's attention to prove he was who he was. But that was not the point. It was about what God had called Jesus to do. I mean, just the night before, in the garden, when they came to arrest Jesus, one of the disciples took out a sword and cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. And Jesus stopped him and said, put your sword away. People who live by the sword will die by the sword. And he said, in fact, don't you realize that right now there are 12 legions of angels. That's 72,000 angels are just waiting for me to give the word. And God the Father will send them here and they'll be here in, in the blink of an eye. Now, just one angel, back in the book of Isaiah, one angel slaughtered 185,000 men, soldiers. One angel. Imagine what 72,000 angels could do. And, and Jesus said, dude, what, what's wrong with you? Don't you know there's 12 legion of angels just waiting for me to give the word and all this will go away? Standing with Pilate. Don't you know there's 12 legions of angels that come down here and wipe you out in a second? On the cross, when they're mocking him, don't you know there's 12 legions of angels who could come down and take him off that cross, but he chose not to because of your guilt and my guilt? That's the message that the Ethiopian was hearing. Verse 34. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And obviously he prayed to receive Christ. Because as they rode along, verse 36, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit... Uh, Look at this. This is a miracle right here. Well, two miracles. One, the miracle that um, he was saved. That's always a miracle. But then, after he prayed to receive Christ, the Holy Spirit came down into him. They were um, standing there, and the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. That means he disappeared. The eunuch never saw him again, and he went his way rejoicing. Uh, you see, when 
the Holy Spirit snatched Philip away, he took him, he transported him 37 miles away to his own hometown. Maybe he did that miracle for the sake of the eunuch just to say, just to show you, you're dealing with the right God. Now this is interesting to me. There's an ancient historian named Eubisius. And he says that this eunuch, this treasurer of Ethiopia, and his band of servants went on to plant, because imagine this. I wonder if everybody that was with the Ethiopian treasurer was saved with him. Because this ancient historian said that band of people went and planted the first church in Africa. Wow, isn't that amazing? And they, they planted that church. In fact, today, the church is growing faster in Africa than any other place on the planet. And there's a lot of documentation that would back up that historian. I, I was in a museum south of Egypt and it was about a certain tribe of people. And I went into their museum because I knew that there was a period in their, in their history that they were all believers. And I was curious if this uh, museum that was dedicated to this group of people would even mention that. And because they were Muslims. And, and so as I go through the museum, I'm looking at all their history and then there it was that period of time that they became believers and they were Christ followers for like, I want to say 500 years. And guess what time period it was when it all began right here. So one man, Philip, being obedient to the Holy Spirit, going and meeting another single man who the Holy Spirit had been preparing. And that man prays to receive Christ. And because of his influence, he planted the very first church in Ethiopia. And for hundreds of years, they became known as a Christian nation. Wow. All because Philip said yes. You never know. You never know what happens when you step up to the plate and you say, whatever you want to do with me, do it. There's a yellow sheep. If you didn't pick one up, they're out there in the foyer if we have any left. These are just mission opportunities uh, for the rest of the year. And these are all things around here. And some of them just a single day commitment. Some of them are for a whole semester, but it's just an opportunity to make a difference in some people's lives. And who knows that one person that you encounter their life by being a part of, by you saying yes to one of these mission projects, 
is a person that the Holy Spirit had been preparing for the gospel. So I'm, I'm wondering if you're willing to step up to the plate and trust God that he knows what he's doing. He really does. And that you decide, I'm going to start tuning my ears to the Holy Spirit. Let's pray.